Well, uh, all right, we can go ahead and get started. The uh, Tika, that was awesome. Charles, thank you for what you said. The um, Don't get the privilege of uh, always having quick hits and what we, you know, the sermon line up, but tonight it just happens to line up, and so we'll have some fun with that. But did everybody enjoy the first day of spring? Was it, did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was awesome. It was, it was really, I actually saw a tree, it was in full bloom. It was awesome. No, it wasn't. It was, I was actually thinking about Texas. I don't know how y'all do it, you know, and uh, coming from Texas, you know, we lose leaves for like one month of the year. But how you go halfway or half of the year without leaves, I don't know, it, it does something to your mind, you know, like leaves, like, I don't know, it's not the cold that bothers me, it's the leafless year or half year. It, what'd you say? It makes sense. Green, green is nice. You know, green is where it's at. I'm not talking about money, leaves. But... Mm. Tonight, we get the privilege of talking about something that I'm pretty passionate about. I, uh, I hope I do it justice. I usually don't do this subject justice, so maybe tonight I'll actually... The passion that I have for it is caught. That's my hope for tonight. So we're going through this series, this conviction series, and in this conviction series, convictions are deeply held truths. We've talked about a lot of different things, and we have a slide up here to help you kind of see the convictions we've talked about. We've talked about the gospel. We've talked about we want to be people of faith, seekers of truth, and not being deceived, people of the spirit. And then we talked about the three reels. And I put this up here. Sean made this. Thank you, Sean. And thank you, Nate, and all the other people who helped make Tika's video. That was awesome. But, uh, and Ado, yes, Ado, Ado, and Sean, actually. So Sean gets double praise. But, uh, yes, you see the three reels, real fellowship, real responsibility, which, man, Sean's getting a lot of praise tonight. Also, Sean talked about last week. That was awesome. But we're about to break off into another subset within our convictions. And I put the slide up so that you wouldn't get confused because we got, we're like, we're like, it's like inception. We're like two dreams in. And so this is like, just in case you got confused there, tonight we're going to talk about one aspect of having a real devotional life. And next week we'll have, we'll talk about another aspect. And then the week after that, we'll talk about the last aspect. But this one, it's hard, to, it's hard to talk about devotional life in one sermon. And so we broke it up into three. Hopefully, that'll help us to do it justice because it's not easy to do. Tonight, I get the privilege of talking about reading. Reading. Some of y'all are really excited. Some of y'all are like, oh, God, no. Please, not. Charles has already done a great introduction into reading. Reading is so, I, I like it. I like it now, but I didn't always like it. I was talking, hanging out with the Atlanta team yesterday, Atlanta mission trip team. Where are my people at? Some of y'all, a lot of y'all in the back. There we go. And there's Andrew. The Andrew's going to get a lot of praise tonight. Andrew is on the Atlanta mission trip team, and we were talking. he was talking about exactly why he doesn't like reading. One reason why reading is not fun is because of what, well, not not fun, but it's, some people have challenges with it. 
And that is because you can't do anything else when you read. You got to focus on it. He doesn't like that. You can't multitask when you read. When you read, you got to sit there. You got to focus. You can't read and wash dishes, at least not well. And you can't read and drive, even though I have some, seen some people do it, read a magazine and drive. I hope I never see any of you do it because I'll probably never see you again. But, yes, you can't, you can't do other things when you read. Another thing you can't do when reading is you also can't do it fast. Usually reading takes a while. Even if you're a speed reader, it takes time. Yes, Winky can speed read. I wish I could speed read. It'd be so much fun. Also, another thing that makes reading tough is it's just not necessarily seen as cool. Yet. Yet. My hope by the end of tonight is that you will think reading is so cool. So cool. I, my hope tonight is that I immerse you in what I was immersed in when I came to college. You know, I went to Sam Houston down in Texas, and when I got to college, look, I, if you put Harry, if you combined Harry Potter into one book, then you could fit all the books that I read in my life going into college on one hand. Was, I read it four Harry Potter books. <sighs> I read the Cliff Notes of the Scarlet Letter, which even that was too much. That book was, oh, oh gosh. I read Hamlet. I read The Outsiders. And I read Fahrenheit 451, which actually, that was a great, that was a great book. That was a great book. But I, I, I didn't think reading was cool. I wasn't looking to read when I got to college. I was going to put up with reading. And then, you know, you know I've told my story sometimes, I told, uh, before at least. You know, I get to college, join a small group, you know, life transformed, you know, crying, happiness, changed life laughing, all that stuff. But fast forward to the spring semester, and I notice that I'm hanging out with some very interesting people. They were weird, <laughs> especially about reading. It was, it was, I was in this culture where they thought reading was so cool. We read here. It is distinct in our culture. We read a lot more than a lot of other people, or at least Christian communities that you find, like on just typically. But my hope tonight is that we would be inspired to increase that tenfold. They were obsessed with reading. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating here. Some of you are like, why are you the way that you are, Jordan? You will understand tonight. We would go to concerts. And, you know, Houston is the same distance. Houston to Huntsville, where the college was, Huntsville, Texas, same distance of like Morgantown to Pittsburgh. So we would go and drive like you would from here to go to Pittsburgh. We would do that to go to concerts in Houston. So we'd drive to these concerts and these, these dudes, we would pull off in these bookstores, like anxious to pull off in bookstores. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? And they would go and park in the back of the parking lot so that the driver could not be beaten by everybody else. Some of y'all wonder why I do that. I learned it. It was, it was a disciple to me. Like, the driver wanted to be going in the door at the same time as everyone else. So you'd park in the back of the parking lot so no one could get a head start. Or you'd lock all the doors really fast. you just keep locking them over and over so that no one else could get out until you got out first. Like, it was, it was a competition reading and they were they were so serious about it like they were always quoting like this scripture that they had learned or or something but it wouldn't just be like it wouldn't it wouldn't be lame it wouldn't be fake it wouldn't be forced it was real and it was it was so funny because like I remember I would like 
it'd be like Saturday, and and it's like Saturday afternoon, and they're like, "Oh, Jordan, how was your morning?" I was like, "Oh, dude, it was awesome. You know, I slept in, I watched a movie. You know, I went to the cafeteria. The omelet actually wasn't bad. You know, it was it was a good morning. You know, and they're like, and, I, and then I'd be like, "Hey, how was your morning?" And they'd be like, "Oh, dude, it was awesome. Read an hour and a half of this book." I'm like, "What?" Like, yes, man, it was so awesome. And then I'd be like, okay, well, what'd you read? And then they would say it. And I'd be like, oh, wow, my mind. Like, it would just be the, the deepest thoughts about God and about the Bible. And I was like, what is going on? And it was so interesting because it was like, in their eyes, you were not cool if you were not reading. If In their eyes, you were not worth listening to when it came to talking about, talk about anything that matters, if you weren't reading, anything you had to say wasn't really taken seriously. If you weren't reading the Bible, if you weren't reading good books, it was just like, all right, you, you're saying stuff, but it's, it's, it's nothing worth quoting. It's nothing worth thinking about. And, and I'm not even saying this to like be like, oh, man, this, this culture was wrong or it was weird. I'm saying this to say this is what it was, and this is what I was immersed in. I remember, you know, I'm a few years into being a small group leader. It's like my junior year. And some of these guys, you know, Steve Cutno, some of y'all know Big Steve. He's the missionary in the Czech Republic. Mission trip to see him last year or to work with him last year. Kyle Volkmer, some of y'all who went to UTSA on that mission trip, got to meet Kyle. And then other people, the Hugendorns, you'll actually get to meet the Hugen, one of the Hugendorn, Hugendorn brothers. I'm naming all these people, and you're like, why is he naming these random people that, you know, I may never meet? Because I just want you to, like, come into the world that I was in, because these guys were so different. It wasn't just guys. It was girls, too. Like, their thoughts, like, even their most passive thoughts would just be so deep and so good. It was like, it was like they were living in a different world. It, it, was, it was special. And so, anyways, it's my junior year. I'm a small group leader. And they're like, hey, Jordan, you should come to a book sale with us. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm reading now. I'm, I'll go to a book sale with you. Cool. Where is it? Oh, okay, it's two and a half hours away. Really? Uh, all right. Sure. What time we got What time are we going? Like 8 a.m.? And they're like, no, no, we're going to go on Wednesday night. And they're like, but doesn't the book sale start on Thursday? Yeah, yeah, we're going to camp out. And camp where? We're going to camp outside the building. We're going to camp on the concrete. And we're going to just get a good sleeping bag because it's going to be cold like 30, you know. So you got to just make sure you come prepared. And I'm like, y'all, y'all serious? But it was, it was no joke. Like, we went out there. We camped. And it was crazy. Like, by the time that the doors opened the next day, it was like hundreds of people in that line. And we were in the front. And the way they did it, they didn't play, you know. So it it actually meant a lot if you were in the front of the line because the first, like, 15 people got to go in early. But they would, like, break you off every, like, 10 seconds. And it was crazy. Like, they open the door, and the first person goes in, and they, they're sprinting. It's like a track meet. And it was like, man, this is for And, and the, the, where the book sale was, it was in this warehouse. In fact, I have a picture up here. It was in this, that, that's it. It was in a warehouse, and that's like a fifth of it. Like, it was so big. And they would sprint to the very back because that's where the, that's where the Christian books were and the Bibles. And it was like, this is intense. And we're just going through, and you see, it's like six rows deep 
of books. And it, it took us, it, it takes a couple of hours to look at all of the Christian books. It was, it would be four rows of about 40 feet worth. Each table was about 40 feet worth. Christian books. I remember the first time I went, I think the person who got the least amount of books was, they got 30. I got 70 books on that trip. I filled up my, I, I, got, I had a library by two trips. And it was cool because I got 70 books and I think I paid about 45 or 50 bucks. Like, it was like, it, it, was, it, was, it was a really good deal. But these guys, to watch people get excited, to watch people get more excited about the Bible than I had ever seen anyone get excited about. And this is, not, this, I grew up going to church. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a believer growing up, but I did grow up in church. Nothing against my pastor. Nothing against the people who tried to teach me the Bible. But I never saw people get so excited about the Bible as I saw them get excited about the Bible. It really messed me up. It was weird in a very cool way. They were so full of God. And it was like, I was like, I, I want this. I don't even understand it completely, but I want it. It was so cool. They, I could just go on and on. Jesus, Jesus talks about this in Luke 6. He talks about how everyone, everyone is not, there. it isn't that some people are full of him or full of things and some people are full of nothing. It's that everyone is full of something and out of the overflow of what you're full of, that's what comes out of you. He says in Luke 6.45, he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. They created a different world. They were so full of God. It wasn't unnatural. It wasn't weird. It wasn't forced. It was who they were. They were overflowing with God. Overflowing. Big Steve I really enjoyed hanging out with Big Steve. Big Steve, some of y'all got to meet him. I, w- I was going to put a picture up there, but I didn't want to have to point out because I have only one picture of us two. It was when we won the intramural championship in basketball. That is a really fun story, but not now. Jaguar Sharks represent. That was our name. Don't not going to explain it, but we were bad. We were so good. Three years we couldn't be beaten. Three years. Big Steve was so good at basketball. He's maybe the best person. He's the best big man I've ever seen in my life in person. And I played with some players who went to the NBA. I'm not exaggerating. Big Steve was a He was so good. Our basketball team at Sam Houston was good. The coach saw him playing a pickup game, approached him, and asked him to join the team. That's how good he was. But not only was he good at basketball, he was his character was miles his character was amazing he it was like hanging out with big steve was like hanging out with an alien because he was like he was so cool but he was so approachable and he was so like christ you would go and hang you would go and hang out at big steve's house and you know he'd like he was so hospitable he'd make you some coffee you know he's kind of a coffee snob 
I am too. And so, you know, he's like, I got the French press, and I got it made this way. And it's like, oh, man, this is, this is what's up. You know, I don't even drink coffee, and I'm going to try this. Like, it was, and then he had the, he would always have, like, five or six books on his, on his bookshelf, like, I mean, on his coffee table. It was just, you just came over, and, man, hanging out with him, your mind would just be lifted to somewhere more beautiful and somewhere more noble. You just hung out with him, and you found yourself thinking, you know what, look, I wouldn't cared about anything that was important before I walked in here. But the moment, like, by the time you left his house, you were like, I just, I just want to care about better things. I just want to be interested in being like Christ. I just want to be better. You, you hung it, but that's how all of them were. It was, it was a different world. They immersed themselves in, in God, and, and you could see it. Amy Carmichael, missionary in, the, in, the, in, in, in India, she's not alive anymore, but she used to do some really cool stuff. Chance to die if you ever get to read that book. I'm going to talk about a lot of books tonight, so you know, if you ever stumble upon that, you should read it, her biography. But she said this. It was really good. She said, if you kick a cup of honey over, the only thing that's going to come out is honey. But if you kick a cup of acid over, what's going to come out? Acid. You would, I would watch Big Steve and these other people, and they'd get kicked, and they'd get pushed in life, and you watched what came out, and it was such, like, gentleness and tenderness, and they treated people better than they deserve like I know what was going on in my heart like I was like struggling I was like look I'm a small group leader sometimes I'm interested in Jesus sometimes I'm really not sometimes I'm interested in you know like Charles said avoiding temptation other times I'm more interested in giving into every temptation I'm just being real I, I, I knew I knew who I was and I'd hang out with them and I just be like man what is in my cup I want to be different. I want a different output in my life. But hanging out with them, I knew I had to change what was, what was put in. If you want a different output in life, you have to change what's put in. You just have to. And I knew that hanging out with them. And so I'm hanging out with them, and it's really cool, and I'm seeing them read a bunch of stuff. They're always quoting this author, always talking about this person who I've never heard before, who my parents have never heard before. Like, they're, they're just reading stuff where I'm like, how did you even find out about this book? It was, it's, I, could, I, I could tell so many stories about that. One thing I will say, we need to, we need to establish some common ground as we go further tonight because one thing that we have to establish is I was a little disingenuous earlier because I said some of y'all don't like reading, but I knew that I was going to say this because this is not true. All of us like reading. Every person in here, all of you like to read. Everyone here reads, and you like it. <laughs> and you'll like it. <laughs> Everyone here reads. We live in a culture today, this is, just, this is just the world we live in. We have more information at our fingertips than everyone who went before us. Our cell phones are stronger than your parents' Windows 98 will ever be. We have so much information, and we consume a lot of information. We all read. 
It's not, a, it's not an issue of whether we are going to read or not. It's an issue of what we're reading. We're all reading. We're all putting massive amounts of information into our mind. Charles said it so well, talking about Drake. Like, we, we know about this movie star. We know about this artist. We know about this person. I'm not even saying this stuff is bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying in order to know about these people, we have to spend time reading about them. And so we are learning from them. The word disciple actually means a learner. That's literally what the word disciple means. It means a learner. We are in the school of whatever we're reading. So you could say our discipler, in a sense, sometimes is more Facebook than anything else, or more Instagram than anything else, or more CNN, or more ESPN, or Bleacher Report, or whatever it is you're reading. It's not coming down at all on any of these things. I'm just saying you have to understand that you are putting massive amounts of time into learning and reading. Wikipedia, it's not an issue of whether we're reading. It's really an issue of what we're going to read. Does that make sense? And so hanging out with them, I was like, okay, want to change the output, need to change the input. Hanging out with them, I noticed some things about the stuff that they were reading. A couple things. One, they really had a good picture of what was important. They had an absurdly good picture of it. They knew what was sacred, and they knew what wasn't sacred. And that is a very hard thing. I've, some of you all have heard me talk about this before, but it's just worth saying. It's hard to know what is important in this world. This life is a constant commercial, especially in America, especially. Everything is telling us that we need it right now. America has a lot of money. America has more resources than any other country in the world. So a lot of resources are poured into America, and a lot of money is put into getting you to think that you need everything right now, this very moment. Everything is telling us, oh, you need me right now. Food, working out, this relationship, money. You can pick whatever it is. So many things telling us you need to worry about me most right now. When you wake up in the morning, school, no, you need to focus on me right now. Everything, you, everything is telling us, like, the, everything is telling you right now, you need me. Right now, you need to focus on me. Right now, if you don't worry about me, everything else is going to fall apart. Maybe it's your appearance. Maybe it's, a where, maybe it's the way that people view you. Whatever it is. Everything is telling us right now, I am most important. I'm, I'm just saying this to say that that's just, that's just not true. Some things are important, but they're not most important. But in order to realize what is most important, we have to spend time with something that is sacred to help get a picture of what is sacred and what's not sacred. And I would hang out with them, and, and they caught it. They caught it. Like when it came to like, like, I don't know if they thought it through that way, but the way like when they would read, they knew that in order to read, you have to make time to read. And so they knew less about social media and they knew less about certain TV shows. They, they chose to know less about certain things in order to know more about things that maybe were more important. I really like, I really like, um, I'm not going to say that quote. I'm actually going to say, 
there's a story, Martha, Mary, it's in Luke 10, these two sisters, one is freaking out and one is doing things the way that she needs to be doing it. One, basically Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to come over, I'm going to visit, and then he comes over and visits, and one is worried about getting the whole house together. I mean, if look, some of y'all's places, I've been in them, some of y'all. You know, I don't know if the, I don't know if it was cleaned since the landlord cleaned it, but that's okay. If we're in college, you know, we're learning. You don't ask me about my freshman year. I'd be ashamed to tell you what my room looked like. But if Jesus showed up at your place, I am I guarantee you it would be immaculate. You know it would. It didn't matter how much you care about cleaning. If you know Jesus is showing up, you are going to fix your house up. And that's what that's what Martha is thinking about. She's like, hey, Jesus is here. I got to cook, I got I to gotta clean, I got to get all this stuff ready. And then her sister is, well, they have some philosophical differences. And her sister is like, no, Jesus is here. I'm going to hang out with him. That's what's most important. And it's so cool what Jesus says to her because Martha is, she's just, she's frazzled. And then Jesus says to her, but the Lord answered Martha, 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 you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. And he goes on to say that your sister, she has done what is necessary. She has picked being with me over doing all of these things. Martha is in some ways more concerned with her appearance and how things appear to be before Jesus. And the other one seems more concerned with actually being with Jesus. And he says, one of you has done what is necessary, and it is your sister. C.S. Lewis, I think, says this really well. I use this quote a lot, and I'll use it again because it's, it's just that good. He's talking about a devotional life, and he's talking about these thoughts that we have to battle when it comes to figuring out what is important and what isn't important. And he says, it comes the very moment you wake up in the morning. All of your wishes, all of, all of the hopes for your day rush at you like wild animals, and the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back and listening to the other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on, all day, standing back from all of your natural fussings and frettings, coming in out of the wind. The very heart of a devotional life is this it's taking time to spend with God and we do it we do it three different ways there's prayer there's worship and then there's also reading the Bible and reading books that help us to understand the Bible better another thing hanging out with them helped me to see it helped me to see what was what actually is God's will Proverbs fourteen twelve says there's a way that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death all of y'all know exactly what that's talking about. How many times is there something where you do it and you're like, this is a great idea going into it. And then afterwards, you're like, this was a total dead end. Why did I do that? That was a terrible decision. It's like going to McDonald's. It always seems like a great idea at the beginning. Always when the hunger, when your stomach is growing, it's like, this is a great idea. And then you eat it. And then you feel the way that you feel afterwards. I'm sorry, Sean. I know you. I know that's your baby. I know you love McDonald's. <laughs> I knew you would say something, Blake. Sheets is your place, though. I know you. Mm. Wings Olay is. 
I'm sorry. But for real, if you don't read the Bible, you won't know what God actually is calling you to do. You won't. It's I've I, I've I've talked to quite a few people who get excited about God and they're like, oh yeah, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. And I'm like, cool, dude. Hey, would you want to like read a book in the Bible together? Ah, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. It's like, well, are you planning on reading it all? No, 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 no. I don't necessarily need that. I have my own way of how I'm going to follow God. And then I've seen some of those people get into some pretty weird stuff because they. They do what is wise to them, and then they don't know what God's voice is like, and they don't know what he's saying, and they don't know how to obey him. Really good scripture for this, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I like how the New Living Translation puts it. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The way that we get wisdom as to how to follow God and what his will is for our life is is to actually read and actually know what he says. There's a reason why he gave us the Bible. And it's really cool because they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have when the Bible was written, they didn't have it. We have the Bible and we have it. We have all of it. And that is that is an, a unique privilege about just the time that we get to live in in this world. And so these are a couple of things that I was able to see and like kind of watching them and seeing, OK, because you read like this, this is some pretty this is some pretty good stuff. But there's a question as to what we should read. Well, one thing I've been saying it over and over. Charles said it. It's the Bible. It's reading the Bible. That spring semester, hanging out with them, I read the New Testament all the way through. I was actually going to give a Bible away, but I forgot it. Bummer. Don't worry. Don't worry. Read the whole New Testament. It was so cool. I was talking, again, to Mr. Andrew Fazekas. And he was talking about how over the break, he read the entire Bible in one week. In one week. He would have the record in my life, but there was another friend of ours who read the Bible in less time. I mentioned him earlier. His name was Kyle. He's at UTSA. When he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't a Christian, he was, a, he was an atheist. And when he got interested in the Bible, Somebody said, hey, we should read the Bible. And he's like, I think I will. And so he went home that Friday, and he read the Bible, did it through the whole weekend, and he finished it on Sunday. Changed his life forever. Speaking of that, Andrew, I have a gift for you for reading the Bible. I will say you should come down and get it, but you're in the very back row, so you can just come down and get it afterwards. But... Nathan, I also have a book for you. One of these books is called More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. Really good book. If you were like, hey, I'm trying to, you know, I want to know about the, his, the, the legitimacy of the Bible or why is it, why do, why do we believe it, why do we trust it, 
Josh McDowell more than a carpenter. I, you know, I gave that book to Jacob Everhard his freshman year, and he gave it back to me the next day, and I was like, oh, you didn't like it? And he was like, oh, yeah, I finished it. It was great. You know, he's, he's really smart. It's, you could read it really fast. It's not that long of a book. It's a great book, though, especially if you're a small group leader. And I, the book I added in was Life Together by Bonhoeffer. Best book probably that you'll ever read on fellowship outside of the four loves. I mean, come on, Clive Staples Lewis. That dude is a freak. But... Though, hey, hey, if y'all ever run into those books anywhere, you should scoop them up because they're good. But the Bible, we should read the Bible. We really should read the Bible. Cool story. So when I was a small group leader, my resource leader, he was like, hey, Jordan, we're going to go and listen to this preacher. He's a dude from Africa, and his, uh, he's from South Africa. Dude has some pre- pretty crazy stories. You should come and listen to him. And I was like, oh, okay, sweet. So we go out to the small town we drive. Nothing's close in Texas, so it was like two hours that we drove. And we get there, and it was, it was cool. This dude is telling stories about stuff that, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, the stuff that he did, I mean, it's, like, it's stuff that you would read in the Bible. Like, his life was absurd. But the thing that I remember the most that stuck with me, right before he finished, he pulled out his Bible, and he held it up just like this, and he said, young people in the room, look at me. He said, do you see this? This is a Bible. This book, don't make the mistake that many, many people have made, many older people have made. Don't make the mistake of only reading the New Testament. So many people only read the New Testament over and over and over again. He said, but the Old Testament, this is, this This is how God was going to communicate to you. Do you think he did that flippantly? He put the order together for a specific reason. And he said this. He said, you won't know the heart of God if you don't read the Old Testament. You will see Jesus Christ revealed in the New Testament. You will see the church formed in the New Testament. You will see how the church operates and loves one another through the New Testament. But you won't, you won't know the relentlessness of God's love without reading the Old Testament. You won't know how many times he has put things together so that you can know him. You won't know the extent of his mercy without the Old Testament. You won't know. You won't know so much about who he really is if you skip over the Old Testament. I never forgot that. Never. Bit of advice if you're going to read the Old Testament or the Bible. Read it obediently. That's the best advice I could give you regarding the Bible. Read it with the intention of actually doing it, and you'll get so much from it. Another thing, though, I want to have some fun with this, is Christian books. Christian books. I love reading Christian books. I always have fun and enjoy conversations where I talk to this Christian and I'm like, oh, man, look, dude, I don't need Christian books. The Bible is enough for me. And usually they say it in a slightly condescending voice, but that's neither here nor there. But, hey, Christian books are where it's at. One of my favorite, actually, it's not one of my, it is my favorite story when it comes to Christian books. So basically, I had this guy put in my small group because he was having a few issues with his, with his 
other small group leader, and they're like, hey, Jordan, we think this guy would be great if you, he went to your small group. And I was like, cool, who is he? And they said his name. I was like, I have no idea who this guy is. We, the Kyle where we came from is a little bit bigger, and so this is, you, there were a lot of people you just didn't know. And so I'd never met the guy before. And so I was like, what's the best way to break the ice? Go on a five-hour car ride with someone. And so we drove down to Houston, and we had fun, and it was really cool. But during this car, car, car ride, we're driving down in Houston, and we're like 45 minutes in, and this guy's like, ah, oh, dude, can I just say something to y'all? And we're like, oh, yeah, go ahead and say whatever you want. And he's like, dude, you know what kills me about our culture at Sam Houston and our Kyle I was like, what's that? Dude, these Christian books, man. These, these, these kids, he's 20 years old. These kids, they, they, they go and pick up some old and decrepit book by someone that they've never heard of, and they read this book that they can't even understand, and then they never got anything from the book, but then they go and hold it up in front of everyone saying, oh, hey, guys, I read this book, and everyone's like, oh, wow, ooh, uh and I'm just like, hmm, interesting, and the whole car was quiet, and someone said it, and it was so good. They said, hey, man, um, you were just talking about a sermon that you really liked a few minutes ago. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, well, weren't you saying about that sermon how much it changed your life and how it helped you to understand something that you, had, you grew up in church and heard your whole life, but you never understood it? And then this sermon, it just made sense after you heard that sermon? He's like, yeah, what are you getting at? And then the guy said, what difference is a sermon from a Christian book? It's only illuminating, helping to illuminate to you who God is, and what his word says. A Christian book is really just a sermon that has a specific topic on whatever it is you're trying to learn. He didn't say anything else after that. It was really cool because you knew that the Lord's hand was over that night because we ended up hanging out with a really wise friend, and this friend had no idea that we had this conversation and then looked at his books, his bookshelf, and said, man, Y'all know y'all should make sure y'all read Christian books. A lot of people don't realize this, but it's, they're basically sermons on specific. It was, it was verbatim. It was really cool because that guy, he's, he's a, you know, he reads books. It's really cool. He's an accountant now. He actually gives books to the people that he works with. He's a huge reader. I love Christian books. I really love them. I think it would behoove us to make sure that we are readers of not only the Bible, but of Christian books. But three little thoughts of advice when it comes to reading Christian books. Number one, you should read a Christian book based on the recommendation of a friend. That's just my code. Look, I don't have that much time. I've already talked about how little time we have in this world. We're busy people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things grabbing at our interest. I don't have time to read halfway through a book and then find out, oh, this person, this book is in the Christian section, but they actually don't believe that Jesus was real. And it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be reading you. But I don't want to find that out halfway, th halfway through a book. And so every book that I read is on the recommendation of someone that I trust. That's just... It's a bit of advice. You can do whatever you want with that. Another thought, though, when reading Christian books, 
is read to remember. Read for revelation, not to remember. Read for revelation. Or another way to say it, read to realize rather than to remember. G.K. Chesterton said it really well. A great man once said, G.K. Chesterton said, the poet only asks to get his head into the heavens. It's the logician, the student of logic, who seeks to get the heavens into his head. And a friend of ours, Eric Mingo, he said this, and it was so good. It's always stuck with me. He said, I don't read to know everything. I read to get my head in the clouds and to get a revelation of who God is. And with my heart changed, I return to the world seeking to give the fresh vision of what I've received. We don't need to remember everything in a book. We read to get a vision of who God is, and then we go and we give that back to people. Last thought on my advice for reading is you're going to you're gonna have to prioritize it. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We don't have that much time, and many things are asking for your attention. So you have to prioritize reading. I watched them do it. I learned from them, and I try to live my life. I keep certain things out of my life so that I can have time to read. You will not, be, you will not just stumble upon time to read. You have to make time to read, and that will be the case for the rest of your life. Maybe it's one less show. Maybe it's less time on social media or on the, in, in the Internet. Maybe it's 45 minutes less of sleep. But whatever it is, do like C.S. Lewis talked about, where you go and before the day starts, you get your mind focused on the things that are most important so that you can always have that filter the rest of the day. The band can come back up. I had some books that I was going to give away. I didn't know how I could do it well. And so um, if you want them, you can just come and ask me, and I'll just give you some books. I got some uh, books down here. I got The Weight of Glory by C.O. So let me get these books out of your way, Katie, so that you can actually do what you do. Tale of Three Kings. Damani, I have a book for you. Yeah. Damani is really cool. A lot of people don't know that Damani reads, but he doesn't like reading. He really doesn't, but he works to read because he knows how valuable it is. I've always, always respected that about you, Damani. A few practical challenges. One of these is going to really make you a little uncomfortable, but I'm really excited about the potential of us doing this. The first practical challenge is if you are a Christian. If you, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, I challenge you this week. I challenge all of us. This book, Charles said it so well. Sometimes we see it as common, but it is not common. It is sacred. And so with it being sacred, I challenge you to treat it like it is sacred all this week. I challenge you to take this Bible, not this one, but your Bible, I challenge you to take it everywhere this week. When you go to Kroger, when you go to class, when you go to work, take it when you go out to eat. Take it and open it up and see what God does. 
See how he uses it. See the conversations that come to pass. Let them happen when they do come. When people ask you about it, don't, don't hide it. Just see what happens. That's my first challenge. My second challenge is for you to read it. Specifically, the book of Acts. Over the next two weeks, I challenge each and every one of you to read the book of Acts. In two weeks. It's, that means you've got to read about a couple chapters a day. It's not that hard. Uh, 15 minutes a day. If you are not a Christian, if you don't profess to be a follower of Jesus, I challenge you to read the book of Matthew. Read about the life of Jesus. It's a great place to start and maybe the best place to start in all the Bible. And I also encourage you to read it with a friend. Ask someone to read it to you. I'm certain that if you ask someone to read it with you, they will read it with you. My life was changed because of reading, because of filling myself up with Jesus. I've, I've never been the same. When my cup is kicked over, I'm different. Hanging out with Big Steve, hanging out with these other people, it changed me forever. It is my prayer for tonight that we would be so full of God that when our cup is, when our cup is kicked over, what comes out is him. What's overflowing with us is him. It's not the things of this world, not condemning them. I'm just saying they're not the most important things above him. I'm going to pray, and we'll be done. Father God, help us to hunger and thirst for you in a way that we are willing to change the input of our lives so that we can have a different output. And Lord, if we don't know what we think about you, if we don't know if we're a follower of you, I pray, Lord, that you would help whomever that may be in this room you would help them to take the first step and to read your word and to read and listen for you and see if you'll say something to them because I know you will. Lord, it's my prayer for us that we, this would dominate our culture and people who meet us would feel just as I felt when I got to Sam Houston. This is different but I want it. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for the journey I've been able to go on with you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how accessible it is for me and all my friends today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.